Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show, and thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Key Love, here at From the Heart Radio, and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing underprivileged children with basic necessities of life. 
I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy psychology, positive psychology, and energy and vibrational sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where From the Heart Radio streams to you live each and every week, bringing you optimistic and uplifting information from interesting people, people who are making a positive impact in our world. Today, our guest is Ron Baker, who walked away from a career in the performing arts to focus on guiding individuals into a surprising new approach to personal transformation. He has spent 25 years as a bioenergetic therapist, healer, speaker, and now best-selling author. He's nurtured thousands into meaningful empowerment through his school of self-mastery and inspired millions to come together for worldwide events that he has led from sacred sites around the globe. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you be here on From the Heart Radio. How are you being? Uh-oh. Ronnie, you there? Hello, Ronnie, you there? Ronnie, you there? Oh, no. Why can he not hear me? We were fine. Okay. Okay, we're going to try to get Ron connected again. Let's hope this works. I'm hoping everyone can hear us. Hi, Ron. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay. Boy, sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's Technology. crazy how life throws us <laughs> all kinds of opportunities to go, okay, can I stay in my center? Can I respond yeah, exactly. to this? <laughs> I think that song so said, say thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so thank you for the mute button. <laughs> my favorite key is delete. But anyway, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, how are you being, Ron? You said you heard the introduction, I, which is great. How are you being? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a real joy to be here. I, I appreciate you creating the platform for others of us to reach out with the message that we have that's uh, hopefully making a difference in lots of lives. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, you know, a positive difference because we don't get enough of that in the world today. But your book, oh, Bright no Lights, Big Empty, A Journey of Profound Awakening, it's the story of your journey from what seemed, from the outside looking in, the life of someone who was, you know, living the dream. You were an artist, an actor, you had performed over 60, that's six zero, leading roles in operas and Broadway shows all over the world. And, you know, that's really a whole lot of good stuff that, you know, many would people say, wow, lucky guy, what a great life. You know, at least it appeared that way, that you had a very successful and fulfilling life to everybody who was watching you. But for you, there was something missing. And in your book, as fate would have it, as it always does, a chance encounter on a bus changed your life. Would you like to tell our audience about that experience? Sure. I, uh, had been searching in my life for why achievement at really high levels in the world were not somehow compensating 
for the self-doubt and insecurity that I carried. And so I was on the lookout for any clues that I could find. And when I came to New York City to make my debut at Lincoln Center, we ended up doing a Stephen Sondheim show that was really an awesome opportunity. And before we opened in the city, which was going to be reviewed by major New York newspapers, there's something in theater called out-of-town tryouts. And that's when you take the show somewhere in a smaller venue and you work out the kinks and all that kind of thing. So we were a cast and crew on the bus going to Saratoga Springs, New York, and I happened to hear this conversation of a man sitting behind me telling about a near-death experience. Now, in 1990, when this happened, it was not a common thing to hear people talk about near-death experiences, and I was riveted by him telling how moving it was and how it changed his life, and I got what I call my inner green light, which is when my intuition says, pay attention here. This is really important for you. So I turned after he finished his story and I said, I don't know who you are, but I know I'm supposed to talk to you. And our meeting led to a profound friendship, a business partnership, and a spiritual journeyman who was just as passionate about life and discovering how it all works, understanding as much as possible and wanting to transform his life as I was. And that was also a profoundly rare thing for me to have found at that time. So I met Robert Baker, who just happens to have my same last name, and the rest is history. We formed eventually down the road the Self-Mastery School in New York City, 25 years ago. What's really cool about that is, well, first of all, I laughed when you, when you said those words to him, because I thought, you know, that could be a pickup line. You know, I don't know anything about you, but I know I have to talk to you. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, this could be a pickup line. Somebody can use a better one than any of the ones that are out there not right now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was a good one, but it was not a pickup line. <laughs> no, it was just, you know, it was just it came across as that. Now, that's something that I would listen to and say, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll talk to you. <laughs> you know, let's see what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. so you met this gentleman, Rob Baker, who's no relation, and he had been, you learned, that he had been channeling Archangel Gabriel. And because of those channeled messages that you received, you worked on yourself. You really did. You went within and you learned some of the lessons of your soul and how they became a part of you. And to have that occur with the support of Archangel Gabriel is amazing because most of us have to figure it out on our own, if in fact we figure it out at all. So those had to be very enlightening, healing, holy, sacred even scary, emotional, clarifying, all of that. How, how did you feel about those initially when you, when you learned that about him and what was coming through? It, it, how did, did you buy into it immediately? Because you did test Gabriel. <laughs> I did test Gabriel. However, <laughs> Robert had not actually started channeling when I met him. And I think that that was the divine timing of our meeting was that I met him about three months before this happened. He invited me to a meditation group that he attended in New York City once we were back. And at that meeting, we all gathered, and the leader of the group was getting us all to breathe and go inside and calm and center. 
And all of a sudden I heard Robert talking and I was like, what is happening? He's interrupting the person. And at first I didn't realize that it was Robert's voice I was hearing, but he was having his very first experience of the energy of Archangel Gabriel connecting to him and speaking. And so I have always been a scientist at heart, but I've also mm -hmm. been a seeker. And so I took a few minutes to get beyond the phenomenon that this was not Robert's vocabulary and this was not the way I had learned the man would speak. And Gabriel actually said, dearly beloved children of light, as you know, we are called Gabriel. Now, why do I know this? Because every time he came in after, he said the same introduction. And what became more important to me than the phenomenon of channeling was the message, the words were so nurturing and clear. And what I had been seeking my whole life began layer by layer by layer. And we're talking thousands of hours began to come through over the next 22 years. Such an education about self, who we are, what our true potential is, how to access that, how to resolve and, and heal the wounded lower self that we all carry from childhood, and also talked about what's going on on the planet and why it's accelerating and changing and shifting so fast. And so this education was profound. But at the beginning, I was like, okay, this sounds amazing, but I'm going to test it in every way I know how to make sure that I continue to feel safe to keep following this path. And he passed every test. <laughs> yeah, I'd have done the same thing because I'm a scientist at heart too. <laughs> and yeah, you recorded yeah. one of the sessions so that Rob could hear it because he does not remember when he was channeling, he did not remember what was said, correct? Exactly. When he came back the first time, what he experienced was the same meditation group. We're all getting centered and breathing. And all of a sudden he felt an energy moving in his body that was so intense that he thought, I'm going to pass out. And he went mm -hmm. unconscious because his gift was a trance channel, which means that he basically allows the energy to come in and take over, and he does not remember anything that's said. So he thought he was going to pass out. He eventually opened his eyes again, and everyone was staring at him, and he thought, oh, my God, I must have fallen asleep and started snoring or something. And so <laughs> we said, no, this is what happened, and an archangel spoke through you, and he thought we were totally joking with him sure and so the next time when he asked gabriel to come through and he did he had asked me if i would start recording so he could hear that it was actually taking place and so yes i now have a closet full of cassettes <laughs> and cds <laughs> do you have the players to play it on though because they don't make those anymore i don't think <laughs> not anymore <laughs> This is how long ago this was. Uh, a lot of things exactly. happened before technology got really big. Uh, I do yeah. like the way you created the sections in your book, The Call, Child, Adult, and Soul. For me, it helped to know where we were in terms of your journey. So you'd finish one yeah. section and you knew you were moving on to the next. Now, did Gabriel suggest that you write a book 
in this way or have anything to do with the writing of the book of the writing process of this book at all by way of either suggesting or uh, even critiquing let's say so let's start with why I divided the book into those particular segments I teach clients a process of self-awareness self-empowerment personal transformation and I believe that we live in a world that almost focuses on self, not at all. I went to 20 years of school. Not one course taught me anything about self. And so as I became more educated about the layers of self, I created a simple map, and that is like an archer's target. If you imagine three concentric circles, the center one is child, the next one out is adult, and the next one out is soul. When we're born, we have all three facets of self held inside us. But let's just say we grow to be a six-year-old. We have no idea that all that potential is held inside. So if I said to you at six, there's an adult held inside you, you would have thought I was crazy and would have had no idea what that might mean, how you would feel, how you would process life, and yet you and I are in adult bodies, the same body that was a six-year-old. And then I can say to you as an adult, there's a soul inside you that has quantum amounts of potential compared to what we've known. And again, we would go, I don't even know what that means. I don't have any way to relate to what that way of processing life might be. And so in order to set this journey up well in the book, I wanted to create a living example of the map. And so I showed what it's like for the soul to set up the wounded curriculum of the lifetime in childhood. And then the adult has the chance to face the challenges and to develop the gifts that are a part of that setup. And what we do is we recreate situations that are very much like what was set up in childhood. So, for instance, I had a father who never said a single word to me growing up, not a single conversation, even though he was in the house for the first 13 years. Mm. It left me with so much self-doubt and insecurity. So as an adult, that setup became manifesting authority figures who didn't show up for me, who didn't know how to guide me, who didn't know how to provide just like my parents didn't know how to provide. So in adulthood, we recreate situations that are similar archetypes, and that gives us a chance as an adult to go, wait a minute. This is not working. I need to seek out something different. I need to show up and speak up and learn how to take care of the missing pieces here. And that journey of me finding Robert, me then finding Archangel Gabriel, became a part of having teachers that did know how to provide and that taught me how to go back and literally reparent the wounded child part of me, filling in the missing gaps 
that had left me with such deep insecurity and self-doubt, as I've said several times. And so the journey of showing people how that kind of a process is done is probably the main reason I wrote Bright Lights, Big Empty. Yeah, because it shows you how you did it. And, and, you know, when you read the book, I mean, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, if he never was on that bus, he wouldn't have met Robert. None of this would have happened in the way that it did. I also yep. believe that we're put we have choices. Everything's a choice, right? We have free will and we have choices. Yep. And if we are meant to do something in your destiny, I believe that we have a destiny and I believe yep. that we fill that destiny, but we can fill it in a variety of ways. So this was one of the ways that you could fulfill your destiny. And it was through chance of fate that you chose this to do. Cause you could have just sat on the bus and thought, okay, that guy's crazy. Uh, you know, stay away from him and not turned around and said what you said and gone down a yep. totally different path, but you didn't, you chose yep. to do that. And that I think helped you open up even further. Well, I believe that the soul is active in our entire lives, that the soul mm -hmm. not only sets up the curriculum in childhood, but the soul then brings us into connection called synchronicity with the opportunities, just like recreating the same limitation is a synchronicity that is attempting to get our attention to say, wait a minute, this is just not working. I need a different approach. So sometimes it's through the opportunity and sometimes it's through facing us directly with a challenge, which is why sometimes people will find that they have a major wake-up call when they hit bottom or when they have some kind of a health crisis or some such thing. These are soul synchronicities that can feel like we're not being supported at all, and yet it's the soul pointing us in the direction that we need to focus. So as an example, with my father, I got zero nurturing. That put such a hyper-focus on mm. my desire for nurturing and the absence of nurturing. And so I went on this journey seeking all kinds of teachers, putting together the pieces, so that eventually I took everything I was learning and quantified a system of nine nurturing needs that every single person has from the beginning and that we need to continue to experience throughout our lifetime in all of our relationships. And so if I had not had the challenge, if my father had given me a mediocre level of nurturing, I probably would have settled, and that would have been the end. But because I had this challenge, which felt like it was there to kick my butt, what was actually on a soul level there to be a guidepost encouraging me, I then developed this system, learned how to apply it to myself, and then began to share it with eventually thousands of other people who have experienced such peace of mind and such relief and transformation by applying these nine nurturing experiences. And so we have those soul-guided synchronicities of opportunity, like meeting Robert, and the continued challenge to serve us to encourage us, 
to inspire us. It's just like if I cut my leg, I have pain so that it shows me where to look that I need to respond and nurture. And so even pain is there to serve us. Yeah, I think everything is. And, you know, I think I think it's Henry Miller who said, how would he say it? Let's see. Destiny is what you're supposed to do in life. Fate is what kicks you in the butt to make you do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I like that. Because, <laughs> you know, you can be able Many, many times. Yeah. I, I think everybody has. You know, you, you're going yeah, along, course, you're thinking everything's course. okay, and you're off course, and all of a sudden you do get the signs, you know, go this way, go this way. But if you keep ignoring them, yeah, that 18-wheeler is going to hit you and knock you back into your lane. You know, and yeah, that's yeah. when. Yeah, yeah, I call it the cosmic two by four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely, it's true. So when you were delving deep, and you did delve deep into the early experiences of your childhood, you learned so yeah. much. Just there was so much that you learned. So were any of the personal insights that you discovered either surprising or perhaps even shocking to you, or were they more like aha moments where you thought, oh, I get it now, or okay, that's where these feelings, reactions, ideas, or beliefs come from. Yes, all of the above, all of the above. (laughs) What is so important is that we find out that we're safe to look because as a child, I was doubting myself in every possible way. And so I was scared to death to look inside. So that's why I went on this outer journey because I started to get attention for my talents And I focus my butt off on these outer achievements, and I'm thrilled that I got to do over 60 leading roles. It was awesome, but it was not remotely the complete answer, but I was doing it to get outer validation and reassurance, whereas all of the true healing comes from the relationship that we establish with ourselves on the inside. And so I was scared to death to look inside, but I wanted through the book to show how safe we are to be so fully honest with what we hold in there and what our challenges have been. And even if we have tons of fear and shame, because everybody has their own percentage of fear and shame, we are safe to look if we show up as nurturing adults. So I teach people how to become the nurturing adult authority in their own life so that when we go back in and look at these things, not one person in 25 years has told me they feel unsafe with what they discover with this nurturing approach because there was nothing wrong and bad to begin with. The reason my dad didn't talk to me was not because I was worthless. It's because he didn't know how. He had no idea. It wouldn't have mattered if he gave birth to his top ten favorite celebrities. He -hmm. didn't know how to create the education and the connection and the intimacy with anyone. And so – What an amazing thing to discover that deeper adult truth rather than the child-wounded myth that I carried for decades. And so just that alone was life-changing. 
And then, my goodness, layer after layer after layer of discoveries and clues and deeper truths. And so there's a verse in the Bible, even though I'm not a religious person, I am quite spiritual. But there's a verse in the Bible that says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Well, I've heard that over and over and over, but I was like, what truth are we talking about here? I have no idea. And what's it going to set free and how? And it, it was so vague. So I believe they just needed to add some more words that says there are adult and soul truths about everything, including you, that will set your wounded child free to begin to blossom into more and more and more of self more and more authenticity and freedom and self even who even getting to know who I actually am and what's actually important to me and so I love when you add the words that these deeper adult and soul truths exist for anybody who goes on a journey we just need to seek the help from others who have learned and can guide us just as I did and you certainly did learn. I mean, the realizations that you had and the opportunity that you had toward the end of your book and speaking about your father to your father, conversations with him are so precious. And so you're so fortunate and blessed to have, have been able to have gone back and spoken with him and actually have conversations that both showed you what was going on in his life and why he was the way he was, but also allowed you the opportunity to to have that closure, if you will, to, to understand it and say, oh, okay, now I see why this was going on. The fact that he changed too over this course of time and gave you some shocking and surprising answers to some of your questions because you couldn't yeah. believe that he would, I, I'll use the word, I don't like this word, but I'll use it, admit to some of the, you know, some <laughs> of the, uh, yeah, I don't know what other what words, I apologize, I don't know what other words yeah, to yeah. use. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and, to and admit own, to some of the things. Own that. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, that he owned it. He owned it. He took responsibility. He apologized. And he loved you. And that's a great thing to have happened because to have the book start out the way that it did, I thought, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is really, that's sad. That's too bad. And then when that happened, I was like, okay, praise God, this is, you know, this is a good thing. that I like the way, I like it when stories end, they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a Disney I consider girl. <laughs> that, that every step that we take forward is a profound thing. And I mm-hmm. did have the opportunity to create some real closure with my dad in the last two years of his life. But I, rather than telling the specifics of that, I would love for people to read the book so that they have the journey to yes. those discoveries. I'll go to yes. an earlier moment when I was in my 20s. I was like, wait a minute, I can resent my father for the rest of my life, but it's just going to leave me stuck in resentment. So I'm an adult now, and so half of the responsibility for this relationship is on me. So let me just see if I can make a difference here. So my dad was coming to my debut at Lincoln Center. And I decided to call him and said, and let me tell you, this is one of the first direct conversations we ever even hinted at, me phoning him and saying, Dad, when you're here in New York, is 
there any way you and I can carve out some time to just have a conversation between you and me? I'm not kidding. It was the very first conversation of our lifetime. And he said yes. He paused. He was shocked. But then eventually he said yes. And when he came and I started asking him a few questions, he did not stop talking for almost three hours. And he eventually said, I had no idea anyone was interested in knowing me. My dad was so intelligent, so innovative, so successful in his career, just like I was being. But he, too, had no idea how to connect on the inside, know himself, and share. And so he just assumed that no one was interested. And when he shared with me for three hours, the first seeds of me finding out the human side, the wounded side, the vulnerable side of my father literally blew me away. Now, it was not a quick fairy tale turnaround because he still yeah. didn't have any of the tools and clues about how to transform himself. And so it took him having a major crisis at the end of his life to open a lot of that up. And so I'll leave the readers to go and find out in the book how that happened. Yes, because in the book is so, there's so much in this book. It's, it's hard to not do a spoiler. You know, I don't want to say things that are going to spoil. It's, <laughs> no, it's hard. True. It's there's true. So, it's true. Yeah. There's just so much in the book. One of the things that, you know, you, you spoke a, a few minutes ago and you were talking about, I can't remember what it was, but I, I wrote down a question. You know, you at a very young age, Music by ear, you could play any instrument. You just played them. And, and yes, you took lessons on some of them, but some of them you just said, yeah, I can do that. And then you did. Singer, and I don't mean just, you know, a singer like Mary Had a Little Lamb. We're talking opera here. We're talking singer. I can't sing. Um, but, you know. That we're sounded pretty good. Who, I liked it. Yeah, well. <laughs> wait, we're talking somebody who, you know, you are on Broadway. I mean, this is huge. Your career could have brought you your soul's purpose in a very different way, but maybe not as far along as you needed to be during this lifetime. But you really, you really had, I mean, a great career. It, it was, you had it all. It was going for you. I was and then very have, fortunate. Yeah, but, but talented. Not even, you know, you had the talent, you had the ability. And from a young age, you knew it because you said, well, I don't want to play this anymore. How about that French horn? You know, and yeah. I mean, you just, yeah, the piano versus the organ. Come on. You know, um, I can do 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 That's it. And yeah, you could have done all of that. And instead, you went on this journey. And I have to say, before I ask this next question, I absolutely love the arm wrestling story in Russia. Right there. Right there. It, it said everything. And I, and I will say a little bit about this because it's a short story oh, in the yeah. book. Oh, yeah. We could tell it, some of the stories because there are so many okay. stories in the book. Yeah. That one, the it just proved that the decisions we make in instances like that, at least for me, that's when I fully realized how I have learned and grown. And I feel very a very relaxed sense of peace that completely envelops me. And as you said in the book, those brief instances when a shared lasting impression is made in one another's lives, you know, even when one is made in just our own life, we have touched hearts. And 
And that is indeed priceless. You said it's priceless. It is priceless. And that's why we're here, to yeah. touch each other's hearts. And I've noticed yeah. recently, not just for myself, but for other the patients that I work with, I've noticed those instances are increasing of late. And I know, at least for me in my own life, it is a validation that I'm doing what's right for me as well as the other person or persons. And I'm most definitely serving my soul's purpose. Do those instances strike you in the same way? Well, I, at that time when I went to Russia, I didn't have nearly the complete understanding that I do today. But mm-hmm. I've often had a sense when I was in what we'll call a destiny moment or a profound opportunity that is surprising. So if you want, I'll be happy to tell this uh, Russia story. I loved it. I, I wish we could use it. We need to send you back to Russia today, you know, and talk, talk to everybody because <laughs> it would help with what's going on. Seriously. Yeah. Tell yeah, the story. I, because it. It, I think it's profound. Uh, I think it's profound. Yeah. So I was hired to do the very first American opera in history at the Bolshoi Theater in Moscow. That is the most famous performing arts center in, in Russia. And so when I went, it was not at a time when tons of Americans had been to Russia. And so I met tons of people. I learned as much of the language as I could so I could speak a few words to them. Our hotel was guarded by Russian soldiers, young Russian soldiers, and no Russians were allowed in the hotel. So I would come and go each day. And because of the particular role that I was playing, I would go to uh, a gym that they had accessible. It was actually, at the time, quite primitive compared to what we're used to, just to set the tone. The treadmill, Abacus, turned on its side, (laughs) just as an example of how different the world was than what I had been used to. So when I came back from the gym one day, the Russian guard from the hotel came up to me, and he didn't have hardly any English, and he literally said, bodybuilder. And I was like – I just nodded my head and smiled. Uh, Not that I was a bodybuilder, but it was a compliment from him. It was lovely. And so he gave me arm signals and basically asked, if I would consider arm wrestling one of their friends, and I said, sure. It was an opportunity <laughs> for America to meet Russia in a more personal way. Just, you know, me and this guy in the lobby of the hotel or some such thing. And I said, sure, let's do it tonight after dinner. Now, a lot of that was in sign language, but we got clear. So when I came up from dinner, the lobby was packed with people and I thought I wonder what in the heck is going on here oh my god all these people are here for this arm wrestling moment (laughs) and the guy saw me come up the stairs came over and grabbed me took me to the table and then it was like a Rocky movie this huge guy came up he towered above me (laughs) and he came up and was had this very serious look on his face, and we sat down at the table. We put our arms up, and it began. 
Now, because I was a gymnast for so long in my early life, my arms and forearms, et cetera, were very strong. So we both expected we were going to push the other person's hand, froze. We were mm-hmm. both equally matched, and we were pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Nothing budged. Then all of a sudden, he took a deep breath and let out a roar, which can create a surge of energy. And he just was, ah! and my arm didn't budge. And you could see the life drain out of his eyes because we were staring right at each other the whole time. And so all of a sudden, my arm began to push his down, and I got about two or three inches, and I had a voice in my head that screamed, what are you doing? This means nothing to you. It means everything to this man. Do not consider. And I was thrilled. And so I stopped pushing little by little by little, and he looked at me with totally quizzical eyes, and he stopped pushing. And eventually there was no pressure whatsoever happening between our hands, and we were the only ones who knew it. And then the mediator came over and said in Russian, tie, and pulled our hands apart. And I stood up and left for the evening, and I thought that was the end of the story. The next morning when I woke up to go to rehearsal, I came out of the lobby, and who knows how long this young soldier that had just had the contest with me had been waiting, but he was there. And when I walked out the door, he came running up to me with a huge smile on his face, and he shook my hand, and when he pulled his hand away, I noticed that he had put a Russian sportsman medal in my hand. And we looked at each other and smiled, unable to communicate in the various languages. And he turned and walked away, and I thought, we have touched heart. We have healed something in each other. We have valued one another. And it was just a profound, simple moment that all of us can do in our lives on a daily basis if we so choose. So there's the Russia story. Yeah, I mean, you you didn't speak in the in the languages that each other knew, but you spoke in the most important language. You spoke from your heart. Yeah. The one that you means better the most. believe it. Yep. Yeah, and that I just I loved that story. It was a short story. I loved it, and I thought, ah, oh, you know, this is when you know everybody can really get along. You know, because there are times you just you know you start to argue with somebody, and then I'll realize, okay, what's the point? Why do I care? Why, is this really important yeah. in the big scheme of things? No, it's yeah. not. I'm wasting brain cells and time. Life is short. Let's keep going. You know, and yeah. in that moment, you, you know, it validates. Yeah, okay, uh, now that I've stepped back and I can see better just by stepping back. It only takes a second. It takes just a yeah. second to step back and say this doesn't Let matter. Let me choose something nothing. meaningful here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for, for, for all parties, for the, for the whole, because when people say, yep. but I want it for me, I want it for me, and, and I'll say to them, but if you do it for the collective whole, you're part of that, then it is for you. If you do it just for you, that's your ego. You need to step out of ego, stop being the human, and start coming from a spiritual side and say, okay, what's good for the greater good, not what's good for just me, because if it's good for the greater good and you're part of the greater good, which you are, then it's good for you too, and that takes a lot for people to get to understand, yeah. you know, 
But yeah, we have to build know, it layer by layer by starting to learn how to value self first. Yep. And then as we do, we're able to value other people so much more fully. And, and in such we a way that – education about self so much. Yeah, look at, look at what happened between you and the Russian. And um, that, it's just crazy good. You know, it's like the story of – I think it was World War II when Christmas time in Germany where everything stopped yeah. and the Germans were invited yeah. in and the, they ate dinner. And then the next day they're back to war again. But everybody was able to take a break, you know. Yeah, Why can't we just yeah. take – continue in the break. Let's just do that because everything's kind of nice there. But, you know, the whole yeah. time that you were on this journey with, with Rob and Gabriel and, and having been guided to help you along this journey to do this deep dive, it brought you to what you now do, which is you are a bioenergetic therapist, which is, you know, it's a little bit different from being a performer, you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, tell I us decided what it that- is. People were too important to me. Yeah. I I didn't want to live my career or my life in a suitcase traveling from place Mm. to place. I wanted to touch lives more directly. Now, performing, I was able to move people and able to touch them for a moment, but I wanted to have a longer-lasting, deeper impact in people's lives. And so getting to do what I do now is so profound. There is no higher privilege than to connect and for people to build trust with you because, in my opinion, most people move through their lives and never develop emotional trust anyone, Mm -hmm. even themselves on the deepest levels. And so to be able to do that on a daily basis and watch people discover how safe it can be to be connected and shared and known including all the wounding that you can then transform and nurture. It's just priceless. It really, really is. It's amazing to go from one career such as that of such high achievement to go to another career of such high achievement as well and be successful at both, do them both with such, with such, you know, ease. I mean, I know you work hard. I get it. (laughs) But it was an easy, it's kind of like an easy switch. I mean, when we're doing something that we're meant to do, there is ease Mm -hmm. involved in that. When we're in flow and and it's easier and we're not like fighting against the tide, you know, you're doing the right thing. So, well, the decision was pretty easy for sure. And why is that? Just because of the fact that you want to help people? Yeah, the soul curriculum inside us that's unfolding the whole time just reveals what we need next. So this is why I can say to someone, so you're 25 now or you're 35 now. Do you feel the exact way about everything that you did when you were 15? Are you still focused on the same priorities that you were when you were 15? And they're like, no, oh, my goodness, I have grown so much. And I said, yes, now imagine doing it consciously. And when it's time to let something go, not because it's wrong and bad, but because something else becomes the authentic priority, it's just an authentic, organic thing from the inside that happens that makes us at first have an inkling of it. And then it will start to nag at us. And then if we don't follow it, the, as you call the, the fate kicking your butt 
to encourage you in particular directions. So as an example, Robert was not willing to let go of his career as a makeup artist at Lincoln Center, and he was fighting this move. And so what happened? After 20 years of being there, they fired him. They wanted Mm -hmm. to go in a new direction, and that was the synchronicity of fate kicking his butt, and then he never looked back, but he was scared to death to listen to his heart at that time. He obviously got better and better at it as he moved on. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're not taking the little the little signs, you know, the little breadcrumbs that the universe gives you, eventually yeah. the universe says, then we'll fix it for you to show you what you should have done. Exactly. So you weren't paying attention, you know, and then whop you uh-huh. upside the head, and there you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. I yeah. have been whopped upside yeah. the head a number of times because I keep thinking, well, I'm sure I can do this. And then it's like, no, really, you can't. Okay, all right. You know, why yeah. don't you just give me a note? Send me something. Send me a letter. An email will work, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my I, goodness. I've had plenty so, of those, even recently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, in your work that you do, you have a self-mastery school as well as working with patients individually, correct? Yes, well, the school is individual sessions as well as group sessions, but because there's a limited amount of hours that we all have in a day, I eventually created workshops and groups and online courses, etc. and it's why I started writing books, because I want to reach more and more people with what has proved to be so consistently powerful, surprising, transforming, nurturing, safe. It's just so cool to watch people develop intimacy with self and others in their lives because of it. So yeah, it School of Self Mastery has evolved and all of the curriculum still exists, but the way that I present it, the numbers that I'm able to reach now doing it in a different way has grown and evolved. So yeah. Now when I finished the book, when I got to the last not the final words of encouragement, but prior to that, I, I wasn't fully feeling what year it was this book, this story actually ended. <laughs> it, was, it was like what, 2016-17? There is so, and it wasn't, wasn't even that far, it was so many things to share in one book that yeah. I basically brought it up to main events at 2013, and then I jumped to the father stuff that occurred um, in 2017. So there is so much more to tell in future books. I cannot wait well, I was going to ask that. you that. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, there's got to be another book the coming out. Yeah, yeah ah, I've already written okay. the next two, but I'm just still tweaking them, and we'll see based on uh, when the timing feels right and people are ready for the next layers when I will release the next one. Okay, so something to look forward to. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. It's such a great book because you know, it isn't just, it's more than the journey, it's the journey of your life and how this came about, but there's so many journeys within it that anyone could resonate to, or like I said to you when we were talking prior to the show, I loved your book. I loved, you know, the, your travels, Egypt, Israel, Peru. I'm like, I wish I went with this guy. You know, I wish I knew this in 1997. Yeah, I would have yeah. gone along. You know, the, it, it's so – and I've heard similar stories from people who have done similar 
things in those sacred spaces. And it's just mind blowing. And it it really is. I mean, so much happens in those in sacred spaces and people don't realize that, yeah, there's a lot of different sacred spaces across the world and things really do happen. You can be a part of it. You know, you just have to go there and, and, and be with a group that is group energy is so strong that can make things manifest quickly. And your book goes into all of that, which is what I I love so much. So it's, and you know, it's not a long book. It's 300 pages, but it's not, it's a quick read. It's a very quick read because you're just so fascinated by it. it, You don't want to put it down. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I wouldn't have been willing to write the book about my story because if there were not a bigger purpose, I don't. I didn't need anyone to know my particular journey, but because it's an example of moving from wounded child to empowered adult to the initiations of a soul conscious integration, I wanted people to see the map, and what better way than to share your own journey of it and to show how safe it is to reveal all the pieces, all the wounding, all the breakthroughs, all the challenges, all of the opportunities, well, as many as you can get in a book of that size. And so Uh I wanted all of that, and so I included in that third section of soul an explanation of what is happening on the planet and why everything is changing. For instance, if we look at the last 30 years on the planet, we have accelerated in information and technology uh-huh. and opportunity more in 30 years than in the 3,000 years prior to that. And there are yeah. reasons for all of that. And so I wanted to introduce that to people so that we understand we are a part of an unprecedented shift that has never happened. That's a little redundant, uh-huh. unprecedented. That has never happened. <laughs> but it is an unprecedented opportunity for us to be a part of something bigger than the daily routines of our lives. But it applies to the daily routines of our lives and makes us so much more feeling purposeful and feeling inspired to show up and invest in our lives and in one another each day. And that, to me, is what matters. And so I shifted my career to do that, and then I have the message of what it feels like to do that on a daily basis. And it is profound to me. So you were about to ask me something. Sorry. And it, well, it is, but it's also a book that's about a person who people can relate to. Your 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 upbringing and everything was a normal everyday American upbringing type of thing. It wasn't. It, oh, yeah. it, some of the events are things that happened to people. You weren't handed yeah. anything on a silver platter. Nothing was gifted no. to you. There were no major inheritances no. or anything like that. You didn't win the lottery. You know, buy your lottery <laughs> dream home. None of that stuff. It, you worked no. your butt off, and, but you had these talents, and then you were willing to do more work, more work on yourself to get to where you are now. And I think it's very inspiring, and it allows other people to say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm just doing a job to pay the bills. Maybe maybe I can do something too. Maybe if I looked a little deeper, I could shift. And they will, yeah. and they absolutely yeah. will. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, this is probably the final question because we're getting close to the top of the hour, is in your crazy book. how fast it goes. <laughs> I know it really. Well, that's because it's such a good book. <laughs> Believe me, some shows uh, don't go this fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! In your book, you pose a question 
And I will say that given all that you've learned about yourself, the work that you've done, the experiences that you've had, how do you respond to your own question, what makes a man great? Expanded, since it's not just my journey, what makes any individual great? Mm-hmm. And that equals a willingness and a courage to claim more and more of the authentic self that is held in there, so much more than people realize. I had no idea how much I would find. And Mm -hmm. to claim that authentic self and then to share generously that authentic self to the people around you. It does not have to be on a global scale. It does not have to be a glamorous thing. But to do it into the lives of the people around us claims our greatness, our capacity to impact and make a difference just by who we're choosing to be every day as the individual adult that we are. So that, to me, is what makes a person great. And I agree, and I'll add one thing to it, that the impact that we make, whether it is negative or positive, and let's hope it's always positive, creates a ripple. And that ripple goes on forever, and you never, ever will know how many people it impacted, even though you're in small-town America and you're one person. One thing that you do could impact thousands in a good way or in a bad way. Yeah. So you got to watch what you do. Yeah. Yeah, Every absolutely. goes out and has an impact on others. And, and I call huge, it quantum loving. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really nice. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. We're almost out of time, Ron. But before we go, I would love it if you would please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you, your work, and where they may purchase your book, Bright Lights, Big Empty, A Journey of Profound Awakening. Yes, you can most easily uh, find out at my website, which is very simple ronbaker.net you can do that or you can go directly to Amazon for the book and I so look forward to reaching and being able to then connect with more individuals around the world with this nurturing process that just continues to blow me away every day and so that's where you can find me and there's a lot of good information there too so check it out Thank you so much, Ron, for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on the air. Yeah, if you just hold on a second, and I'll be with you in just a moment, okay? You got it. Oh, thank you. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on From the Heart Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share what you have heard here today. Send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all as well. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes toward underprivileged children. And right now, we're helping subsidize the cost of mental health therapy sessions for children who might not otherwise receive this much-needed therapy. It is imperative that we help the kids today. It is, it's a hard world, and they need help with that. So please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation at 
sojikids.org. At Soji Huggles, we're investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. Please follow us on Twitter at Soji Huggles. While you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at From the Heart Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place to sleep. So that's all I will wake up in Instead of sheep. I got a When I remember how I'm blessed Grateful, grateful, But I